Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. I hope you're all doing good. Um, today's guest, I speak to Jack Savaretti, and he's delightful, as you're about to find out. I'll tell you a little bit more in a sec, but um, firstly, just some, some thank yous. Uh, first thanks go out to you lot for continuing to support the podcast. Um, I'm seeing... Lots of nice messages and comments and stuff on the on the socials and such. And yeah, I really appreciate it. It's really nice that that, that you know you're getting some some joy from these conversations. Um because trust me, I'm having the best time having these chats and it's definitely kept kept my creative brain where it needs to be throughout the last however many months we've been in this strange old time. I'd also like to thank uh, my friend and uh, network boss, Scroobius Pip, and, uh, and everybody else at the Distraction Pieces Network. Go check that out. There's uh, a myriad of wonderful podcasts available to listen to over there. Big thanks to 76 for producing this episode. Um, what we've had to adjust to over you know the last however many months is the fact that you know, we can't sit in studios with people. Um, we do now have to kind of do it all remotely. Hopefully, these things are going to start to ease. Um, it definitely appears to be happening at the moment, and fingers crossed it stays that way. Um, but one of the things that I think will stay now is the fact that these remote recordings means that, you know, you can access guests that probably you know the guests that live overseas for one and, and and other people that are in the middle of huge campaigns um pushing records and things like that 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 are here there and everywhere the simplicity of jumping on zoom does seem to make things a lot easier um but what that does mean is sometimes you know you can get little glitches on the audio and things like that but hopefully over the last you know 14 15 months we've all learned to understand that well you know, you're going to get the good chats, but sometimes the Wi-Fi might catch or, you know, it might slur. Um, I don't think there's any of it on this episode. Maybe one or two little glitches, but nothing noticeable. And I'm sure by the time uh, you're listening to this, uh, 76 would have um, made it sound nice and warm and pleasant for your ear holes. Um, if this is your first time listening, uh, I'll speak say this now when you get to the end of this chat with jack go and um have a listen to the back catalogue 300 episodes now i think 
And yeah, Fat Boy Slim to The Killers to Public Enemy, um, Suede Idols, Sleaford Mods. Oh gosh, um, Gary Kemp. Just trying to think of some ones that I don't normally shout about that you know I feel I should. And there's you know some of the the super famous names, Foo Fighters, uh, Motley Crue. Oh God, go go and get stuck in because. Like I say, there's 300 episodes that you can go and listen to for free. Um, and if you'd like to support the podcast, um, please feel free to give us a like, love, share, and a retweet, and or drop us a comment or a message on the on the socials. That's always much appreciated. Um, subscribe. That's really, really good. And I know this is the sort of thing for, for you know regular listeners, you probably skip this bit and just think, oh, I'll just get on with the chat. But these little things like the subscribing or just a comment and things like that really, really can help to to grow the podcast, which is something that, you know, I'd love to do. I'd love to be able to sort of, you know, take this as far as I can take it. Um, because, well, I can't do music anymore because I feel a bit too old. And, uh, and yeah, I just like having a chat. Um, and also, if you'd like to support it, uh, the, the best way you can do that is to um, support me via Patreon. And it's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash off the beat and track. And uh, what that is, that will also give you access to another few hundred shows that have never been released to the masses. Um, you can go and watch this podcast. So you can go and watch all the episodes. Um, and you also get exclusive episodes as well um, that have never been released anywhere else. Radio shows. Have I said that already? radio shows anyway um so yeah and you can get all of that for about 79p a month and it all just kind of goes in the pot to help you know pay for 76 and you know all the other bits and pieces so um if you'd like to support the podcast like that then um that would be amazing but if times are tough i totally understand no pressure okay well all of that stuff you can find out about at your one-stop shop off the beat and track podcast.com that's beat and not beaten. Right, that's enough from me. Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track podcast with Jack Savaretti. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. And we are recording. How are you doing, Jack? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Right, Jack, before we get on to your song choices today, just want to reflect back um, over the last 
13, 14 months, which has been strange for, yeah. I, I'm sure, everybody uh, that, that, that walks the planet. But how have you found it personally and creatively? I mean, personally, it's been overwhelming on so many levels. Um, we had a baby. We made an album. <laughs> um, so... Uh, actually, not in that order, the other way around. <laughs> but, um, um, and yeah, it's just been quite incredible to see how much can happen when the world stops um, or when you think the world is stopping and actually realize your life is carrying on and how you find yourself. For me, it was so wonderful to find myself spending so much time with my family and maybe having taken that for granted in the past um, and maybe just reassessing how I move forward in life and how I reevaluate what I do, when I do and how I do it. Because I think there, I think there was an unbalance for me personally um, when it came to sort of personal life, work and playtime, you know, and just kind of trying to find that balance. So it's been frustrating to feel this sense of powerlessness when it comes to the fact that I do have family that live abroad, that I have family to live away. And that's something as well I, I've realized that, and something that right now has been kind of taken away from us. Um, it is still accessible to a certain degree, but not in the way that it was before. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a lot of ups and downs, I guess. How about you? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, uh, not had a baby, uh, not made a record. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, just just the kind of obvious stuff, really. Is you know, the, 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 it's, it's just that connection. I think is is, is the yeah. main thing that that's that the, you know that most of us have been starved of, you know, and, and the simplicity of being able to do the the most normal of things has just been made more difficult. And you know, hopefully, you know, we're we're we're, we're on the right way out of this now. But yeah, I, I guess one of the most beautiful things that, however you're feeling, you know, over the last however many months I, I i guess music's always going to be a constant and so with that in mind i'm going to start the playlist jack and i'm going to ask you for track one to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro please oh the song that's having the greatest ever intro is well there was a few that i, I these are all hard i'm trying i don't have the list in front of me but i'm assuming i went with bob marley you did could you be loved yeah, yeah. um uh, you know, hope is the highest form of art. Is don't they say that? Or art is the highest form of hope. Sorry, that's what it, that's what it actually I think is the saying. And nobody gives me hope more than the music of Bob Marley. No sound gives me more sense of joy and hopefulness for the future um, than the sounds of Mr. Marley. I don't know how. I don't know why. I can't explain it. There's no formula. There's no math, math, mathematical equation that makes it sensical. But um, he is one of those artists that I've never to this day met anybody who doesn't love him. And that's primarily due to his music. <laughs> and this is one of those examples that I always love. A, I love a song that um, tickles. Um, and when I say that on an intro, it's where there is this tension before the song starts. And there's that sound of that, which I've actually ripped off kind of, I think, in, in, a, in, in one song in particular, where I, it's probably the only time in a, in a song where I've played a guitar solo. I've literally played that, that riff, not deliberately, but it kind of came out that way. Um, so it's just been one of those influential songs that the minute you hear that, those, those first notes, don't, 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 and then there's actual, the organ kicks in. Um, yeah. 
it gets me every time. And there is a, a, a tension's the great is a great way to describe that. That, that just that guitar lick at the beginning, it is. It feels like. Yeah, there's an element of tension and, and right, where, where are we going with this? What's coming? And then when they, them, you know, them keys come in, it's just joyous, isn't it? As is the yeah. case with most of Bob Marley's music. It's just, you know, it, it's yeah. a, a joyous, a, a joyous well, experience. It was this kind of, there was a lot of rock influence on it. And, and funny enough, um, and, and, and in those early, in those early, in those early records, Bob Marley and the Whalers, you know, um, especially with Pete on guitar, you could really hear that sort of. There is that rock influence, and I think that's where you get the tension. That's where you. That's what creates the tension because you don't get that a lot in reggae elsewhere. Otherwise, that's not really part of reggae's, you know, um, fashion or what's it like charm and hmm. beauty. Um, that's more based on groove and rhythm. Whereas I feel like you know the tension side is a very rock. It's a very rock thing to do because it's quite classical. To create tension within a song is a real classical music trick, which then finds its way into rock music, which kind of seeps its way into reggae in this particular song. I, I think Bob Marley had real pop sensibilities as well. I think there's there's so many hooks and great totally. soaring choruses, and you know it, it was it's laden with hooks. Most of Bob Marley's like big singles, um, and so and they're conversational. The, the massively, thing about it is, it's so so hard to do that. Uh, I mean, the Beatles were kings of that. But Bob Marley, you know, I, I want to love you. Simple as that. <laughs> could you be loved? Like like the fact that lyric, could yeah. you be loved? It seems like, uh, but but there's so much conviction and like sensibility and it's kind of mundane and it's, and it's, but that's what's genius about it. It's something you would say. And that's so hard to do is to, you know, it's easy to be poetic. It's not easy, but you know what I mean? Um, it's, everybody can be poetic. But to say something so simple and for it to be so universal is really difficult to actually come up with, for it to, to come up with it and for it to be good. And in, and in regards to sort of pop hooks and sensibility, you know, as, as we've seen over the years, your career unfold and, and you've become more and more successful, um, you know, and to be in a position, you know, where you have mainstream success now, and we've seen the way that uh, the way that people listen to music has very much changed from when you first started releasing records to now. How much of an influence do the changes in way, ways that people listen to music affect how you write songs? And I'm going to focus on the, the the intros here because we're seeing very fast moving thumbs that that switch constantly. Well, you, you, you you've hit the nail on the head with this, which is something that is talked about a lot right now in the industry. And what we think is like a common thing, like, you know, get to this chorus by one minute was the classic thing you hear when you first, when you first start writing um, songs, you don't think about that. But when you first start writing songs and there's a record label present <laughs> or management, they'll, you know, don't bore us, get to the chorus, as Tom Petty used to say. And that was the thing. And one minute getting to the chorus it wasn't, there's no stylistic reason for that. It was purely radio. It was pushed on by radio because that was, you had to get to the chorus by one minute because by radio's calculations, that's how long people listen to the radio before changing station. Now, like you said, people's thumbs have gotten a whole lot quicker. And because of streaming, I think it's between 15 and 18 seconds now people give a song before they switch because, you know, the, the quantity and the options are endless. So you're sort of like, nah. And what that has tapped, what that has done, um, which is something I think you'll agree. I mean, you'll, you'll you'll sort of notice, 
it's kind of killed the songwriter and has and has lifted the producer. Uh, it's given the producer a lot of writers. I put in parentheses are now actually producers, and producers are very good at finding hooks or at finding something that cacophonically, sonically grabs you within the first 10, 20 seconds. A songwriter might not necessarily do that because they're writing a song. They're trying to tell a story. They're trying to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, so producers have kind of become the songwriters right now. So for, for traditional songwriting, it's a bit of a, it's a tough time. And you hear that in popular music. Popular music is about repetition. It's always, popular music's always had repetition, to be fair, to that extent. And it's an art to be able to do it well and for it to still have meaning and purpose rather than just be an earworm. <laughs> but now when it comes to hooks, the intro, so many songs don't really have intros anymore. They sort of, the intro is the chorus. Yeah. They'll start with uh, whatever that, whatever you want to call a hook. That's how they'll engage it. They'll open up with it. It's kind of like, bam, fireworks on the first 10, 10 to 20 seconds, which does create some great stuff. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it's not what I do. It's not how I learned how to write. But then how I was writing was very much influenced by radio. So the technology does influence art, always has and always will yeah. do. Yeah, absolutely. I just hope that that kind of formula doesn't you know doesn't just keep getting tightened and tightened and tightened to where <laughs> you know it, it it starts to 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 lose the whole kind of traditional approach to song songwriting i think there's there's, there's a balance to be found in there I, I really do i agree and like you know the popular music in itself is about to come across some really interesting times because the the, the way in which we find music and how it used to be really squeezed into popular music and everything else kind of faded out that's gonna. That seems to be coming to like an absolute. It's like a bubble that's about to pop. Um, it's gotten so, you know, one directional. Excuse the pun, but quite literally, um, it's kind of gone into that place where you know there's like literally ten artists at the top of this pyramid, and everything else kind of shades off. Popular culture, popular music has always kind of gotten away with that because of the way because there was so much control. But now there are so many different ways of getting to music and different types of music that I have a feeling, I hope it kind of democratizes music in the long run. I think right now we're seeing the epitome of like the 1% and the imperial kind of way of making music. Like it's really, it's it's reaching its climax. Um, But I think when this pops, the way that it's done, I think we're going to get a real variety of music where all these things that we're speaking of won't really matter because the way people find music will change so much yeah. uh, that it won't be about getting on playlists and radio. It'll be so, so much more expansive than that. Well, let's take you back for track two. Uh, I'm going to ask you to tell me, please, the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Can you remember this one or do you, uh, do you want me to prompt you? Can you give me a clue? Because I yeah, did this list. Like, but I, I want to stick to it because I, want, I don't want to like, because I'm now actually curious as what I wrote. <laughs> um. Well, it's uh, it's possibly like some of the greatest oh, har- harmonies it. ever. I know it. <laughs> I know it. Only living boy in New York, Simon and Garfunkel. What a record, man! What a record! I get the news I need on the weather report. I remember that just killing me. That lyric when I was a kid. I used to listen to it on a on a Sony yellow Walkman because <laughs> I got one. I got the four cassette greatest hits. You know those bricks. They yep. Used to yep. <laughs> I got that at an airport when I went on like a business trip with my father to Istanbul when I was really little. First time I went on a business trip with my dad and he had the Walkman. It was his Walkman. And he let me listen to it on the plane. And at the airport, I have no idea why. 
I bought this brick of Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits. I mean, that's and heavy music for a kid, mind. isn't it? That's like yeah, that's man. I was not, well, I I was just sort of getting into. I went from being like a football, a kid that wanted to be a football player, to suddenly wanting to be a poet and an artist. Um, you know, a lot of things made that happen. I won't get into detail, but. You know, smoking and drinking changed my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Suddenly, I was a poet, and so I was fascinated. And I remember seeing a picture of these guys, the photo of them on like a brick wall in Greenwich Village, and it was everything that I just was dreaming about. I don't know why, but I was very attracted to that. But that song in particular, it kind of taps into a lot of their songs. Do like the boxer? It taps into the solitude of. Um, being in a, being in the world alone, uh, and whether that may be being a young man in New York trying to make his way as a boxer, or in this particular case, this kid in uh, in New York, um, that sort of solitude, how how small and how irrelevant you can feel in the grand scheme of things, and I think it, it was that coming of age period in my life where I was coming to realize I'm not as the universe doesn't revolve around me, you know, which when you're a kid, it does. That's, 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 that's what it is. It's your only concept of reality is your own. And the older you get, you start realizing that not only are you wrong about things, but you're also, you might be a bit insignificant and like what, what influence do you really have on things and, and all these kind of doubts that, you know, creep in again, like I said, I was smoking a lot. So these questions were creeping in a lot. Um, but there was something about this song, Tom, catch a player. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't really break it down as to why it made me feel, but it was really that lyric. Oh, let your honesty shine like it shines on me. That lyric too. And the way he sings it, yeah, let your honesty shine, shine, shine. Although like the way he, it was really emotive, the way he sings this song. If I'm not wrong, it's Simon singing it. Yeah. It's Paul Simon singing it too. Which is always, I've always leaned towards, of course, him as a writer, but even vocally, I love his voice. What was the emotion, if you had to pinpoint it? I think solitude, actually. Not that I was a lonely kid at all. I was surrounded by friends and family, very, I wasn't a, I wasn't a loner. I wasn't a, at all. Um, but, you know, sometimes you can be in a crowded room and feel alone and feel lonely. And I think that song tapped into that. That song definitely made me realize that I was thinking about things that nobody else, I couldn't really relate to many people about. Or at least that's what I thought. We were probably all thinking the same thing. Yeah. But it was it was that time in my life when I thought, no, nobody gets it, man. I'm the, <laughs> This is all messed up and I'm alone out here. That kind of thing. But like I said, I'm sure every, you know, all my friends were thinking that at the time. That's that's why these songs work because everybody Absolutely. feels that way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Listen up. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I've only got another new sponsor, Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humor in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range. And it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. Um, well, staying in the formative years uh, for track three, uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, Jack, to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Blind Melon? <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blind Melon, no rain. Uh, I don't feel the sun's coming out today staying in it's going to find a better way it just this is a song it was one of the first songs i learned to play on the guitar and i say that because um it was one of my best friends who was uh he still is my best friend he's actually the godfather to my daughter um so he's from hawaii and i i we met at an american school in switzerland and i was coming from london and i had gone to a, a good school a sort of quite like nice school here in london and i arrived kind of with you know I used to brush my hair and I was very sort of straight and, you know, kind of, I was very British, <laughs> believe it or not. I was just sort of like English kids showing up to this American school. So and when, when, when was this, Jack? This, what sort of year was this? I was about 12, 13, coming into my teenage years. And, um, and I met this kid called Mikey, who was from Hawaii and covered in tattoos and he smoked and he drank. I guess he's the reason I stopped being trying to be a professional football player. He kind of took me down the, 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 the not off the straight and narrow, I should say. Um, and this was a band he listened to constantly. And I remember the, like there was two albums. There was a big song of theirs called, um, oh, what was it called? Change. Uh, Change, but exactly. Uh, that, and that was this is this is uh, 
Ch- no, sorry, Change is a song that reminds me of my childhood. Yeah. No Rain was their big hit. No Rain was, was the their global hit. mega hit, yeah. wasn't it? No yeah. Rain was their, big, was their big hit. Change was actually the first song I learned mm. to play on guitar. Sorry, so I stand corrected. Um, that lyric I said was from Change, yeah. And, um, and I just love that song. I mean, those lyrics, if you just read them, you kind of get a coming-of-age sort of teenage tear coming down your cheek because it's just... Uh, yeah, it's just, it's so good. And again, speaking of emotive voices, I mean, unfortunately, at a tragic end, the, the lead singer, but um, as so many did in those 90s kind of grunge, really sensitive, emotional <laughs> bands, they were so intense compared to stuff you hear today. I mean, if you listen to all those bands, that sort of California 90s scene, which the Red or Chili Peppers were coming out of, uh, Pearl Jam, uh, Sublime. You look at, the ones that we've lost, you know, Stone Temple Pilots, um, yeah. Alice in Chains, like there's Chris lots Cornell, of, Chris Cornell, Garden, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. So many people just, yeah, just had tough times in their head. And like, it was a real, it was, it was very real though. That music was, you know, it was, it wasn't people like going back to the conversation we had before. It wasn't people thinking about how to put a hook in the first 10 seconds. Um, and don't get me wrong. There was, there was stylistic, you know, God forbid you did this. You have yeah. to do that. You know, you got to put some crazy minor seventh chord somewhere to make it real rock. You know what I mean? You couldn't just play three chords in the truth. That would be boring and folky. You had to give it an edge. You know what I mean? But it was just really, it came from here, man. It came from the heart and it was brutal. I think looking back, a lot of people would change it. You know, a lot of people that survived would love to tell their, you know, the bandmates that they've lost, you know, it's just music. But I think for a lot of these guys, it wasn't just music. It was, it was life. And, and a lot of them, it was a pretty dark life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, just sort of looking at school and, and, you know, I, I guess when you find someone that's introducing you to, to this real kind of emotive guitar music that was coming out at that point, um, did you feel then that like, you started to sort of find your tribe and, and find something that was a bit, a bit of you. Yeah. Which now is kind of so weird because I mean, I hated music class. <laughs> I used to think, when am I going to need this in life? <laughs> you know? I used to think it was the biggest waste of time. Um, and then I went to this new school. I went to this American school and met this friend of mine. And the first day we had a music lesson, there was a white pearl drum kit in the corner. And it was actually my mate's brother, a guy called Jesse, who picked up uh, an electric guitar and he started playing the intro to a Green Day song, Paranoid. Um, And I just happened to be sitting next to the snare drum. And for some reason, which I still to this day don't know why, because I was a pretty shy 12 year old sort of kid and I was very short. And these guys were all super cool. (laughs) There 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 was a very sort of. Yeah, just cool group of sort of American kids and being the sort of Euro kid, I hadn't really, you know, everything about Americans was cooler in the 90s. It might not be that way today, but it was in the 90s. Absolutely. And I picked, up these, I picked up these drumsticks and I just did that really fast drum roll that the, that he does in, Green, in the beginning of Paranoid. Um, and, and Jesse turns to me and was like, yeah, that's it. You play, okay. You, and I became the drummer. Like I was the drummer to this little high school band. And I, for years, for like two years, I was the, the shortest kid in school that played the drums. And of course that got a bit of attention. I was like this little dude 
killing it on the drum set. And so, and I was playing for every band in the school because nobody else played the drums. And I wasn't great, but I was the only one doing it. And that was kind of my introduction to, to not only what music could give me, but what I could do with it. Like I could get a reaction from it. I could get, um, I could get attention. I could get people to feel happy about it. I could express myself. And it wasn't about like what I was saying or how I was looking or what I was wearing. It was like what I was doing that sort of made it, that mattered. And it was so instant. You know, if I did something that worked, you would see the reaction immediately. And that's something I love about music, that if you play the right note or if you sing the right note, you feel the change happen, the connection happen right then and there. You don't have to wait for it. Um, and that's something that, yeah, I think I got pretty hooked. Was you confident? I mean, I guess, otherwise I would, I mean, what other kid would pick up a stick and just start doing, I guess there was a, I wasn't cocky because um, I was terribly shy, but I think I was, I, I always knew who I, I, I never questioned myself. I just didn't really know if I necessarily fit in where I was, but I never doubted. I never had sort of doubts. I always was very okay with myself. So I don't think I was not insecure, but I don't know if I would say I was confident. I don't know if that's answering your question. I mean, fast forward however many years to to walking on stages at, 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 at gigs and festivals and such, you confident still? So that's interesting because going back to wanting to be a football player, I was what they call a Thursday player in Italian, uh, giocatore del giovedì, which means you're great, you're the best guy in practice, but when it comes to the match, you're rubbish. And that was me. I was, you know... After every practice, the whole thing about the game was get it to Jack, get it to Jack. And then when the game came, I bottled it. I would get so scared. I would get really anxious. The minute I would see the opposing team walk onto the pitch, I'd be terrified. Uh, I don't know why. I'd get, even if I knew we were better than them, I would, it used to overwhelm me. And now I can walk on stage and I love it. Um, I'm still scared. I don't know if scared is the right word. I still get like, because I want it to be good. Yeah. Not because I'm scared. I'm not scared about what the crowd is going to do to me or like anything like that. Whereas in, in football, I was terrified about what these guys were going to do to me. Um, but that might have come through the fact that I was very small and these guys were huge. Um, but I think it was just weird. That's why music has always had this mysticism uh, for me because I've done things in my career musically where I was so unprepared that I so shouldn't have done. I've stood on stages that I was not ready to stand on. I've done TV shows where I was not ready to perform on. And somehow I did it. I just kind of was like, come on, do it. Like it, it felt like it was so invigorating, exciting to sort of, I've, I've never done, I've never done that in other forms of my life. I've never put myself in situations like that. So unprepared, such important situations. So unprepared, like I have with music, but for some reason, it kind of goes back to that Ray Charles thing, let it do what it does. I always trust that there is no right or wrong way to do this. Just do it your way. Just do it. If it sucks, it sucks. If it's great, it's great. But just do it. Don't worry about it. Like, And I think that has to do with the fact that I never trained musically. I never learned anything about music. I'm, I, I always say I'm not a musician. I'm very musical. I use music, but I'm not a musician. Um, so I think the fact that nobody's ever told me how to do it is why I feel so comfortable doing it, if that makes any sense. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's clear talent to have got you from, you know, through the journey that you've made uh, in this industry. What about 
it's good. To, obviously, the talent's there. The confidence is there. But it's, he's one of the most difficult industries on the planet, as is football. You chose two simple ones to go for, football or music. <laughs> two most difficult industries in the world. Um, would you say, with, with that in mind, that you're driven? Yeah. Um, I didn't realise how driven I was until I realised how much talent I lacked in certain departments when I met people more talented than me. But um, as I once heard, you know, uh, working hard beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And so that's something that I definitely have learned along the way. Um, there are much more talented people than me that have been left behind, maybe because they haven't, I, I know they haven't worked hard or they assumed things were going to happen. They expected things and they took things for granted. A lot of that happens with uh, early success. And that's, to be fair, like not something to really blame someone. I was very lucky that I never had success early on. Um, I've never had, like, I've had success, of course. I've had personal success on that. But I never had that kind of overnight success, as they call it. Yeah. Um, and uh, those of those colleagues of mine and friends, even, who have had that, it's a tough one because they they believe their talent. Mm -hmm. they, uh, and they, they, they haven't had to work hard for it. So they don't really know that there is also that part of the, of the game. So that when they do have to work hard, they sometimes drown very quickly because they don't have that work ethic in them because they haven't had to use it. Not because they don't want to. They just haven't trained that muscle. Yeah. So it's a bit like winning a sprint and then realizing that it's actually a mar marathon um, and not being ready for it. I've never won any sprints in this career so far. So, But I've definitely, I don't think I've ever won a marathon either, but I'm still running. I'm yeah. still going. I, that, you know what I mean? And I don't think it really is about if we win or lose, it's just about like, holy crap, we're still running. We're still in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think that's something that everybody who works with me, we celebrate it probably too often. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I've got one more in the formative years. Uh, and I'm going to ask you uh, for the first song you remember buying from a record store. I'll rem I remember this. Um, well, I don't remember the exact name of the song. It was song number one on the Ali Farkature album with Rai Kuda called Finding Timbuktu. I think it's called like Bumpy or Bimpy or... Bondi. Bondi, Bondi, exactly. And it's got this great guitar intro, which I can still play, actually. Um, but this was a total judge a book by its cover. I, I, was in an, I was in a record store when I was about 12 or 13, again, same, that, those kind of years. And CDs were kind of just kicking in and all that. And I remember going to the record store. It was called City Disc. It was this place in Switzerland in a small village where I was living. And... Uh, I just saw this cover with these two dudes on it. And it was Ali Farkature and Rai Kuder in this kind of like shack with all these guitars around them and like wooden stuff hanging on the wall. Uh, I don't know what, but I just wanted to be in that room. Um, so I just bought this album and I went home, put it on. And like, that's kind of what we did back then. I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, back in those days, but you would kind of wing it and buy an album and then you were kind of stuck with it because you'd spend your money on it. So you kind of had to like it. <laughs> you kind Absolutely. Of, you really had to like invest time into sort of listening to every track because there might be one or two that are amazing. And then you were home. Um, so yeah, that's what I did. And that, that album in general was the soundtrack to many a late nights in my household. It was that and Buena Vista Social Club. Those were the sort of, those were the tunes. But why you'd, you know, and, and I'm also mindful that i don't want to kind of get into sounding like a you know a, 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 an old man here but when when you would have them that, that one record you'd bought 
not only would you listen to it over and over again, but I don't know if it was the case for you. It certainly was for me. I would sit and look at the sleeve while I was listening to oh, it. Oh, man. And totally. Like, and that's the one thing where I'm happy to put my kind of granddad hand up and go, look, I think the one thing that's missing now in streaming culture and things like that is the album sleeve. I miss album artwork. It's still there, obviously, but rarely do you... But it's different. They get lost in, like, watch... They go down, like, a TikTok hole or an Instagram hole where they just, you know, live in these guys' lives. So who yeah. cares about artwork? They're literally seeing what the guy had for breakfast today and yeah. what, you know, I mean, we we fall into that sometimes, too. You know, when you're on a campaign, you people can pretty much... It's like a reality show these days. Yeah. They can really live and breathe it with you. We're very selective. I'm very selective. I keep it very about music and everything I do musically. It's not, there's nothing really of my private life. I, I don't see why that should be or is of any interest to anybody other than myself and those who live in it. But musically, I'm very sharing. Like, you know, we keep people that, you know, there's behind the scenes of the studio, how we make stuff and all that, which we didn't have when we were. So, I mean, the record fleet was all you got. There was that, there would be that one or two photos of them in a studio and you'd be like, whoa. Oh no, it's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> now you can watch like how every song is recorded while it's happening. Oh, no. I mean, I love uh, Sam Fender is one of my favorites right now. And he's become a good friend in the last few years, you know, very sort of colloquial, but a lovely friendship. I absolutely adore him. But I kind of want to tell him, stop showing me how you're making the album while you're making it. Like, let me see it afterwards. But he's just, you know, it's basically on Instagram Live is the whole making of the record, which is amazing. You know, like from a fan's point of view, I'm like, this is awesome. But from an artistic point of view, I'm like, save it. Save it. Don't, don't, don't show how the magic is made before you've done the trick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, for track five, Jack, I'm going to ask you uh, for the song that soundtrack your year's clubbing, please. Uh, it's, I'm assuming it's Daft Punk. Um, and I, I said, I, I'm pretty sure I said around the world to okay. sound cooler than I am. But I think one more time was probably actually more my age group. I was a bit young when Around the World came out. Um, I remember it was the first music video I ever enjoyed watching because I hated music videos. <laughs> and I remember when seeing that music video and being like, what is this? I think it was yeah. Nigel Godridge or something who did yeah. it where every character is playing an instrument. It was incredible. Um, but yeah, it was either... That, that was the coolest dance track. Again, I say I hate using that symbol, but like... I, I was living in Europe at that time, so like dance was heavy. Like there was a lot of trance going on. Um, you know, the street parades and all that in Zurich were, were really big. So there was a lot of dance music around, but it never really grabbed me. But then Daft Punk, there was that that you know that European tradition of songwriting with the sound as well. So I love that. That 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 I thought was really good. There was always a good song in there. I, I couldn't, I'm going to use a tenuous link here. I mean, you know, I guess one of uh, Daft Punk's uh, most stratospheric releases uh, involved Mr. Noel Rogers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how'd that come about? So you, you're making music with <laughs> Noel Rogers. I mean, to go back to, you know, songwriting and to be able to write hooks and choruses, I mean, that man doesn't struggle. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh. So he was the blessing I really needed to, to, to do this concept. This is a concept album I've made. I think is the great music that has come out of Europe in the last 50, 60 years that sometimes doesn't get recognized enough or acknowledged enough and get separated so much in categories where I think like it is a real European thing. And I think what it was for me was when the American music of early 70s, the Philadelphia and New York sounds of disco, soul and funk were happening. But what now Rogers quite literally single-handedly did, well, not single-handedly, but chic, um, what they did was take that from... Um, African-American gay clubs, underground clubs in New York and Philly, and they made it global. They made it universal. They made it something that uh, was tangible and was relatable to, to so many people across the world. And when it crossed the ocean and hit Europe and hit the shores of Europe, it met the, the tradition of European songwriting, which is melody, nostalgia, melancholy, and all of those things combined created what I call Europeana which is what I'm trying to tap into on this record. Another artist that did that, another group that did that was like Falling Oats with sort of that yacht rock sound. And that's why John Oates was another person I reached out to who also agreed to be on this record and is featuring on my album. So I wanted to get these boys because they, these boys, <laughs> they're not boys anymore. <laughs> but to me, they'll always be boys. In my head, I, you know, I'll always see them like that. But I wanted to get these guys on the record because they really created this European sound. They had such an influence, even though they were American, although John Oates is half Italian. But I, they really had an influence on the, the way European music went from being from crooners, you know, from like the Charles Aznavour, the, the Jacques Brels, to suddenly like the bridge of a Julio Iglesias, to go to Georgia Moroda, to go to Daft Punk, to go to Phoenix, to go to nowadays Clara Luciani, and to have impact on ABBA, on the Bee Gees, to have all these different influences on European music. Um, so yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a studio and said, it would be great to put some Nile Rogers guitar style, like style guitar here. And I've tried and butchered it myself. If you go back into some of my old records, you'll hear some terrible attempts that I've done of trying to imitate the waka waka, you know, the Nile Rogers whip of the fist, um, but of the wrist, should I say. Um, but I haven't ever really nailed it. <laughs> Neither has anybody else, because there is a trick to it, which I won't reveal on this show, but he does have a trick to it. Um, but I was writing this song with Mark Ralph, and Mark said, why don't we ask now? And I, I kind of said, uh, okay. And um, two days later, we got an email saying, I love the track. And then we got in touch and then we spoke and we, he's been a real mentor for me the last few months because I, I, I did have a few moments where I doubted this whole European concept. I was like, am I mad? Like, why, why am, I, am I feeling this need to show fun, glamorous, sexy, romantic European music? Am I, am I trying to put a spotlight on it just because it's everything I'm missing right now, being stuck at home <laughs> and not being allowed to travel? Am I just kind of being nostalgic? But he was like, no, man, go for it. This is, this is your, he, he believed in the idea. 
he thought it was a, a very valid point that it hasn't been sometimes this music hasn't been given enough respect, so to speak, over the last 50, 60 years. So getting him on board was that real seal of approval I needed. For track six, I'm going to take you home, Jack. Uh, I'm going to ask you for a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. And so where is that? Because you sound like a very well-travelled man. <laughs> uh, well, this was a tough one when you said home county, because I don't really have a home county. I mean, I, okay. I was born in Fulham. Um, I was born in Fulham, but I left when I was like seven. I left London when I was seven. I grew up in the Italian part of Switzerland, a place called Lugano. I went to an American school, and my family in Italy is actually from Genoa, which is on the coast, just next to the border with France. So confused, to say the least, is how I would put it. So when you said home county, I was like, this is a tough one. So I went more with like DNA home county, like traditional family. What reminds me of, you know, I, I imagine what you're getting at that is like, what's your home? What smells like home? What's the yeah, sound? Absolutely. And, and, um, and I chose a Genovese legend who was Italy's Leonard Cohen, who was a man called Fabrizio De Andrea, um, who was a huge Genoa fan, like I am. Um, and when he was buried, he actually asked to be buried with a Genoa scarf and a packet of Marlboro Red. So he was my kind of guy. Um, and he wrote this song called Amore Che Vieni, Amore Che Vai, which means loves that come and lo- a love that comes and a love that goes. Um, it's much more poetic in Italian. It has much more meaning in Italian. Um, but uh, it's one of the most beautiful songs in the world. Everything about him is beautiful, but if you listen to the song, just the opening sequence of, of notes and instrumentation is so nostalgic. Uh, it smells like everything from your past, if that makes any sense. Like I can smell my grandparents in it, uh, but I don't think this is just me. I think it's, it's very Mediterranean in its approach. It's very regal. Um, like a lot of Mediterranean culture is. There's a lot of pride in most Mediterranean cultures, if not all. And you can hear that in the landscape of this, these opening chords. You really hear this, wow. Like it's, it's like it's somebody walking in very well dressed. <laughs> that's, that's the feeling I get when I hear this song. Jack, I don't think anyone's ever described uh, track six <laughs> quite as beautifully as that, mate. That's, uh, that's a wonderful answer. Um, well, for the last track... Jack, you get to uh, turn someone on to something new. Uh, so I'm going to ask you for track seven, uh, for a song that many people may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Well, I'm going to go... Um, is it Julio? Is this my Julio choice? Yeah. So my argument with Julio is Julio gets a bad rap, man. <laughs> Julio gets a really bad rap. And don't forget, as I say to a lot of friends of mine, there was a time where we thought Johnny Cash was really cheesy. Mm. because he was playing Vegas. And then Rick Rubin reminded us all who Johnny Cash was. Well, I hope if there's one thing I do in life is remind the world. I mean, I don't have to remind that much of the world. Most people think he's a genius, but there's a few people that need reminding of what a legend Julio Iglesias is. Um, What a lot of people don't know is he wrote 90% of his songs, uh, if not more. He was an incredible songwriter. Um, His musicality is phenomenal. His pitching and singing is disturbing how good it is and how effortless it is coming from a guy who looks like he's having a stroke every time i sing a song this guy just doesn't this guy doesn't blink this guy doesn't even blink when he sings that's how suave he is so i hold him in high esteem um and this song pobre diablo is you'll hear a lot of this on my new album this 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 was what i really when i talk about european and european sound this is as european as it gets 
it's uh, it's it's a beautiful record. I I'd never heard it before. Uh, I I grew up and and my mum would be listening to Julian Iglesias records and uh, and 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 I'd always you know I was a young kid. I didn't uh. want to be listening to that and <laughs> and and I put that on when you when when you sent your songs over. I listened to it and I just thought this is a beautiful sound. This is a tune. <laughs> right. it's good, man. It's so I've I've had a weird phase recently where I play it uh, after a certain hour. Um, after the witching hour, I always somehow put Julio on. And I can see everybody. It's a bit like Gypsy King. Like when you first put them on, everybody, like there's a second of like, oh, but then the, the song kicks in and you're like, oh, damn, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. stronger than you. And Julio has that. And, and what we do as well, uh, Jack, is we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast so people can go and listen Amazing. to uh, all of the songs that we've spoken about. Um, just lastly, Jack, before, um, you know, as we find ourselves now coming out of, uh, of of the situation that we've been in, fingers crossed it continues to roll out the way it is. I mean, we're recording this uh, in May. Um, what are you looking forward to from the remainder of 2021 personally and what's happening professionally? Well, I've, like I said, I've had a pretty busy year um, and we've brought a beautiful little young lady into this world. So right now it's just trying to, one thing I learned about this whole experience, there was, there's a fantastic film called Life is Beautiful uh, with Roberto Benigni, where he turns possibly the most horrific thing that can happen to humanity, which is the Holocaust into a game for his child. To, to sort of give it a different reality than the actual truth, just to make sure that his child sees the world in the best possible light. And there's this incredible scene at the end, um, without spoiler alerts, where the son sees his mother for the first time after the concentration camps are being liberated. And he runs to his mother screaming, we've won, we won, we won the game, because his father has made him think that the whole thing was a game. And that's something that I'm definitely going to put a lot more effort into with my children is not necessarily protecting them or wrapping them in cotton wool, but trying to shine a light. There's so much darkness. There's so much fear being thrown at us on a daily basis. Um, Whatever you're watching, whatever you're listening to, it seems to really be the currency of the time right now is fear, fear, fear. So I'm definitely going to put a lot more effort into making my kids realize that life is a little bit of a game. Um, and to try and see the light side of it. And professionally, I'm trying to do the same thing. This album is different from what I've done in the past, where I've been frustrated and angry, and why does nobody understand me? Fist clenched, punching at the world, hoping I just hit something that changes something. Uh, This isn't that. I haven't done that. I'm trying to shine a light on life, on trying to make it feel like a sense of occasion, make it a bit of a game, a bit of fun, a bit of glamour. And yeah, so I think it's that is trying to turn a lighter note onto onto life and make everything just a little bit more glamorous and fun. And by glamorous, I don't mean like excessive and expensive. I just mean making a sense of occasion out of literally every day. <laughs> Absolutely, and we all need it more than ever, mate. Um, exactly. There's a song on the album called "More Than Ever." So oh, you there just you go. literally said that. <laughs> <laughs> and that song is literally about that. So, <laughs> Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure talking records with you today. Me too, man. Uh, really appreciate your time. If listeners want to keep up to speed on everything that's going to be happening, where's the best place for them to to stay up to speed if uh, everything's happening? Oh my goodness! 
Um, I'm a, I'm an Instagram man. Um, I'm old fashioned. <laughs> when it comes to social media, I love Instagram. But we're everywhere. We're on the TikToks, the Twitter, the Facebook, JackSavery.com. Uh, we're trying to cover all bases. Yeah, wonderful. Well. <laughs> I'll let you get back to your uh, your new family and, <laughs> Thank uh, you, my man. and and have a lovely day. Thanks again, Jack. Thank you. Take it easy, buddy. Ciao. Cheers. Bye bye. There you go. Oh, mate, what a voice! What a talking voice! Um, and obviously, we've done this over Zoom, so uh, yeah. I mean, you're gonna be you're gonna be a super famous pop star if you sing like him, write songs like him, look like him. And even when you're talking to people, you talk like that. Um, yeah, just a, a a really lovely dude, and yeah, was just just rekindled a little in, interest in Julio Iglesias. Just just had a little listen since, and uh, I've been really enjoying it. Um, yeah, it's one of the best things about this podcast when people go back and you know and and, and give you a nudge and go, hey, look, have you never listened to this? And it's like, and obviously, as I said, it was like sort of thing that my mum listened to growing up, and so. As a kid, you dismiss what your folks listen to, don't you? And yeah, I've gone back and, and I'm enjoying it. I, I really am. Um, so yeah, thanks to you lot for listening. Massive thanks to Jack um, for, for, for giving up his time. Huge uh, thanks to Ash for helping facilitate that chat. Um, and yeah, I'll be back next time. Uh, in the meantime, if you can't wait, head over to Patreon. Um, get stuck into the couple of hundred episodes over there. And and like I said at the beginning, if this is your first time listening, thanks. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, go and explore the back catalogue uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Get them all for free, Spotify, Apple, Acast. Um, go and get stuck in because there's hundreds of free off the beaten track episodes to listen to. I'm done. Be excellent to each other. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. It's off the beaten track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Stew with him. Eat it, boy.